You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, if there's something to be excited about, it's God and what he's done in our life. Amen? Yeah. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about the contrast between a new life in Christ and the old life in which we walk out of. And boy, is there a contrast, or boy, should there be a contrast between those two things. You know, I'm convinced wholeheartedly that living a life fully devoted to Jesus is the most amazing and fulfilling life that anyone can live. You know, different things have led us here to church this morning. Um, You know, all of our motivations for being in this room, listening to me talk right now, are not all the same. You know, for many of us, this is our church home and we gather together to worship God. You know, we recognize that Jesus came to save the lost, to restore the broken, to forgive sin, and to set the captive free. You know, Jesus did this by the cross, and this is why we get together on a Sunday morning and celebrate and sing songs and be encouraged by the word of God to help us to live and stay free, to be free people who stay free and find victory in our life in every area. But not all of us came here with a strong desire this morning to worship God or to surrender our lives more fully to him today than we did yesterday. Just the reality. You know, some might be here for the first time. Maybe you tried church in the past and you found you didn't like it or you were hurt by another person who was in the church and you got disconnected. You know, some of you might be seeking after some truth so you can understand the purpose of your life and maybe what your next step should be. And so you try to t- decided to come and, and check us out. You know, there might be somebody here who's dragged here by a friend or a family member, borderline against your will. I say borderline. You know, some may have come here this morning seeking answers for their complicated lives. Or maybe there's someone here that's already hit rock bottom. And you're here out of desperation to have an encounter with God, something that will change your life, that will help you to step out of the darkness that you've been walking in and correct some of the chaos that is your life. You know, I believe that your presence here this morning is no accident. God knew that you would be here this morning. And... uh, I'm really, really happy that you're here because I know that Jesus is the answer. It's just a matter of knowing him and navigating a new journey with him that you'll, you too will realize that Jesus is the answer to the things that you're going through in life, that in him there is life, true life, eternal life, and it's through relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. You know, our mission here at Cola Community Church is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to share God's love everywhere, leading people to an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what our hope, that's what our mission is as a church. You know, this is the goal, that, that people would come to know and love Jesus 
and that they would then be able to go and share the hope and the love that God has given them with others that don't have Jesus. You know, we understand that your journey begins exactly where you are. Your journey when you leave here today is, begins exactly at whatever stage in your life journey that you are in right now. And it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how hard your life is. It doesn't matter whether you've screwed up a thousand times or whether you've worked a fairly upright and lived a fairly upright life. We all have sin and brokenness in our life. Things that fall short of God's ideal for our life uh, that we need to surrender to him. You know, this journey begins where we are and, and no one is perfect. And no one here at Coley Community Church is expected to live a perfect life all the time. But our hope is that we will learn each and every day how to live a life surrendered to Jesus, where we will then recognize the Lordship of Christ in our life and genuinely come to learn to love Jesus, come to love God for who he is. You know, we can't force people to want their lives to change. We can't force people to pursue the things of God or to love God. You know, I don't know if any of you ever had a crush or somebody that you fell in love with, that perhaps you pursued, and it wasn't reciprocated? Have any of you experienced that? It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. And I want to tell you something this morning. God is pursuing you. God is pursuing you. And you know what? We hear lots of messages about how God loves us as a church. But today it's a little different. My question so much is not, does God love us, but do we love him? Are we reciprocating in our relationship with God? Or is our relationship with God more one-sided? It's more of a business transaction. You give me what I need, I'm here. If you don't, I'm out of here. In Akola Community Church, we are called to love. The church of Jesus Christ in the world globally is called to love, to love people where they're at in their journey and to continue to point them to Jesus, helping them to make their next step in their relationship with him. You know, for some of you, it might be starting a relationship with Jesus for the first time. For others, it might be a deepening, growing, abiding relationship with God, that that's what you're seeking after. You know, this morning, we're going to be looking at the contrast between the new life that we have with Christ and the old life that we leave behind when we choose to follow Jesus, laying aside our selfish ambitions in pursuit of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be starting looking at Colossians 3.1. And uh, just for a minute, I just wanted to touch a little bit on the reality of our old life. When I say our old life, I mean a life that is separated from God. A life in which we do not know Jesus, we've not heard the gospel, we've not responded to the gospel message and received Christ into our life. Life without God is a spiritually dead life. You know, we're dead in our sin. The Bible says that we're condemned to death. We're separated from God and we do not have right relationship with him. And as we sung about this morning, when we don't have Christ, we are a slave to sin. 
You know, Colossians 2, 11 says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted in the mighty power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But those who choose to hear and respond to the gospel and receive Christ, put their faith in him, it changes. Because Jesus died so that we would be brought back out of slavery from sin, so that we could be a free people, that we'd be set free from the slavery of sin and death. And he's given us eternal life. In Colossians 3.1, begin reading there. I'm sorry, I don't really have them up on the screen today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can read them, but if not, just have to listen closely. I'll try to talk slowly and clearly. It says, since you've been raised to new life in Christ. So I just want to stop there. Since you were raised to new life in Christ. So here Paul is writing to the, a Christian church. He's writing to people that have been raised in Christ, which means they once were dead and now they're raised to spiritual life. There's a contrast there between something that was once dead and something that is now alive. You know, when you buy some, a nice bouquet of nice flowers and you bring them home and they're just beautiful, one day they begin to wither and die. But when you, you can tell the difference between a dead flower and a live flower. They're very different. And just like that, there's a contrast here in our lives. There should be between a dead life and a spiritually renewed life breathed into it life. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, Paul says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand of God. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. I know about you, but much of my internal dialogue is things to do with earth. A lot of it is circumstantial a lot of the time. A lot of it is situational things. It's worldly things that often occupy a lot of my emotional energy and even some of my spiritual energy sometimes more so than it should. But here he says, think of things in heaven and not just the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So our true life is no longer wrapped up in the earthly, natural things. But our life is held up and hidden in Christ. An amazing thing. You know, Paul continues in this letter to the Colossians by laying out some of the earthly sinful things that still lurked within them. And he speaks about casting them off like dirty clothes. It's interesting. I'm sure all of us have had dirty clothes once in a while, maybe at the end of every day. 
Or maybe you're one of the persons that's like, I've worn these jeans for like two weeks in a row. They don't look too bad. I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll save some laundry detergent. I don't know what it is with jeans. Jeans seem to have some longevity in them. I don't know if you've noticed that. You have some clothes that you wear it once and it's a crinkled mess and you can't wear it the next day. Other things, it's like, I think I can get by wearing that. Sometimes the sin in our life is still lurking like those three-day-old pants that we haven't washed yet. And it comes, there's, the problem is, is that there's little things that are still clinging to them. That you think they're wonderful and then you walk out the door and you find out you got like a big splatter on the butt or something. I don't know. Anyhow, that was not in my notes. That was just extra. That was for free. But Paul contrasts the difference between the life that we had before Christ and the life we have now with him. And he talks about casting them off. Casting off the old life like old dirty clothes. In Colossians 3.5, he says, Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking in you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping things of this world. Because of these things, these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when, the li- when this life was still part of this, when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of these things. Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. There's a contrast between walking and living life out of the flesh and living life by the Spirit, living a spiritually renewed life. And here Paul is saying these things, if you are pursuing God, these things are not okay. These are the things that we do not want in our life that we have to cast off. You know, first this morning, I want to highlight this idea of recognizing sin for what it is. You know, there's a standard in our life that we live by. All of us have a standard. All of us have a set of rules, a set of expectations that we live by. The problem is, not all of us have the same standard that God has. You know, the interesting thing is that God's standard is perfection. And none of us can reach it. But... God made a way through Jesus for us to be made right with God and to be able to clothe ourselves with his righteousness by accepting and believing in what he did on the cross, accepting that our sins are forgiven, and then deciding to pursue God for the rest of your life, saying, God, I am yours, and choosing to follow after him. You see, Jesus is the way. And his ways are not based and influenced by the changing direction of culture. The way that we are meant to live our lives as Christians, as free men and women, redeemed by Christ, is to no longer be led by the pursuit of our deadly deadly earthly desires or the changing norms and standards set out by our culture. There's a standard outside of ourselves, that which is perfect, that does not compromise to the changing tides of our culture. You know, an example, you know, Paul tells us here to have nothing to do with sexual sin, what the Bible calls sexual immorality. 
And the truth is, is that an upright life, ultimately one that is, is God-blessed when it comes to sexuality, is where it's exclusive to a relationship with one man and one woman in a covenant relationship of marriage. That's quite clearly what the Bible teaches. And, um, you know, there's, there's changes in cultural awareness around these things, but the Word of God has a standard that doesn't change. And so we can sometimes try to bend it. You know, as a kid, I used to try to bend rules quite a bit. You know, and one that was a rule that I used to try to bend was bedtime. I don't know if you have kids that ever try to bend bedtime, that it's time for bed, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the, all of a sudden the door creaks open, and it's like, I gotta, I'm thirsty, or I gotta pee. That's Sophia's one. I gotta pee. You just peed 30 seconds ago. What do you mean you gotta pee? But, all, but God is clear about that, that marriage between one man and one woman, sex is, was designed to exist within that relationship between a man and wife in marriage. And that's not a standard cultural practice today, is it? You know, most people probably think it's impossible to even do. I can tell you it's not impossible. My wife and I made it happen, by the grace of God. It is doable, but it depends by what standard you apply to your life, one that's culturally driven or one that is a God standard. And what are you going to surrender your life to? Which voice are you going to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life to walk out a life of righteousness or one that serves our selfish ambition, that serves our earthly desires. Lust. You know, lust is so much more than a sexual thing. You know, Paul lists lusting after things of this world, being greedy for the things of this world. And this means... If this is something that you're battling with, it probably means that your primary motivation in life is wealth, power, and affluence. And it's something that is huge in our culture today. You know, Richard Foster in Celebration of Discipline wrote, we really must understand that the lust for affluence in contemporary society is psychotic. It is psychotic because it is completely lost touch with reality. We crave things we neither need nor even enjoy. We buy things we do not want to impress the people we do not like. And it's time to awaken to the fact that conformity to a sick society is to be sick. To conform to a sick society is to be sick. I was talking to somebody recently who was, you know, came in for some counseling, some guidance, and they were telling me that they tried the God thing and it didn't work. And then they continued to tell me about how, you know, they got saved and then within a couple of weeks they moved in with their girlfriends and then they bought a house, they had a couple kids and just went down this line of everything basically that God would not direct somebody to do. And they're telling me that the God thing didn't work. I said, well, okay, you gave your heart to Jesus at a platform, but did you ever follow him? Because I don't see the fruit of God just pouring out of your life right now. I think a lot of what you've tried is you've claimed Christ as a banner 
and chosen to walk your own way, not God's way, hoping that somehow this banner will bring life and bring correction to my life. But unfortunately, they walked down a path just where every single decision they made was literally counter, that they shared with me was counter to the word of God. And they're wondering why it's not working. There are principles in the word of God that the most secular person can apply to their life and they will have blessing and prosperity in their life. The Bible says that the rains pour on the just and the unjust alike. And so there are certain principles within the word of God that if we stick to them and we we walk them out, we'll find success in life. We'll have blessing in our life. But I think the problem sometimes in the church is that we don't do that. We, we will still want to live life our own way, pursuing our own selfish ambitions. Let that be our primary motivation. And we try to squeeze Jesus in on the side, like a side dish. And then we wonder why it's not fulfilling us. We have to recognize what sin is. The sin is sin. We have to be able to call it out when we see it in our lives. Be honest and authentic and look at our life and say, does my life conform to that which God is calling me to walk into? And if it doesn't, rather than trying to bend our definition of what we should do and bend our rule book, we have the option to be able to surrender our life to God and say, God, help me. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to walk in righteousness and do what is right. Point number two is repentance, to repent. You know, recognizing that we live by a standard that is not God's standard, but something that we've created um, is important. You know, it requires some trust that God's plan is actually best for our lives. And laying aside our personal preferences and our desires to follow Jesus and to live a life um, that is God-bound. You know, repentance is not... You know, I just want to say something that repentance is not. Something that I've heard just in the last couple of weeks, not even just out in the world and everywhere, is this attitude of, this is just who I am. That multiple times this week, I heard somebody justify their bad behavior, their sin, their lack of love towards somebody, because it's just who they are. I just say it like it is. I just give people a piece of my mind because that's just who I am. But the truth is, that's not who you are. You know, if, I sometimes think we get a warped view of persecution. That one way, either we despise the idea of persecution so we don't speak up, we don't walk out of out of love, but we operate out of fear because we don't want to speak truth. So we just don't say it anything at all. Or we speak truth kind of bullheadedly and we just say, Joanne, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just speaking truth. It doesn't matter how it's packaged. It doesn't matter how it comes across because it's truth. Neither are good. Neither really are good. Um, you know, those things are not who you are. You don't have to be that way. You know, sometimes people are persecuted not because they're a Christian, just because they're a jerk. Like, it's true. I, like, like, it's true. 
Like, some of the rudest people I know have been Christian people. It is true. And so, but the problem is if you seek out persecution because somehow that's going to justify that you're in God's will because you're going to be persecuted, that's, it's not the way it works. You can't say, well, because I'm being persecuted, because people are angry and upset because what I said, that obviously I'm saying God's will and they're just worldly and don't get it. That's not the way it works. So don't seek persecution for persecution's sake, but seek the heart of God in everything. And trust in him that he knows best how to get truth into people's hearts. Our job is to be obedient, but it's, we, don't, we can't bypass love to be, have some warped sense of, of obedience. Um, I don't know why I'm going there. That's none of my notes either. But repentance is not holding an attitude where I allow my sin or unhealthy behavior patterns to influence my identity. It's not just the way you are. It's the way you choose to be. If you allow your sin and negative patterns in your life to define who you are. You know, and, and this is especially true when it comes to identity, when it comes to our sexuality. I find it weird that sexuality has been risen to such a level of identity for people. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm the weird one, but when I think about what defines me as a human being, my sexuality is pretty low on the list. It's not the primary thing that I want to be identified by as a human being. Nor do I think it's the most important thing we should be identified by. But in our society, it's been elevated to this place of identity that your identity is based in your sexual preferences. I don't really get it. I don't, like, to me, I don't really care what your sexual preferences are, you know, what your natural inclinations are. My heart as a pastor is, do you know Jesus and are you pursuing God and giving those things to God and allowing him to bring healing and restoration into your life where there's brokenness? That's what it's ultimately what it's about. We can't allow our sin to define our identity. Our identity must be formed in him, in Jesus. You know, the Greek word for repent literally means to change your mind. And as we grow in relationship with God, our minds begin to change. As we consume God's word, as we invest in God's word and begin to allow it to shape our thinking, our minds change and we grow. And the things that were okay yesterday all of a sudden aren't okay today because God's Holy Spirit conviction comes into us. And we realize, I'm not walking on a great path right now. God has something better for me. And he prompts us to walk in the right way, which is his way, which is his path. You know, it's not that God's standard has changed over time. It's that we change. That as we draw close to God, our desires change, our thoughts change, our minds become renewed. Paul calls this process stripping off unrighteousness or stripping off your old evil nature and accepting who you are, your true identity as a beloved son or daughter of God, someone who's redeemed, free, and who's now clothed with righteousness, our new nature. And the third is respond. So we've got to recognize sin for what it is. We have to be able to come to a place where we can repent, where we're willing to change our mind about what we thought was right and go with God's standard and not our own. And be willing to surrender that area of our life to God. 
And lastly, we have to respond to it. There has to be something in our life that follows up with this new revelation knowledge of, of, of who God is and the path that he has for us. You know, after we recognize the areas of our lives that might not be aligned with God, that there are some, some hanging out of our old nature within trying to latch onto our new nature, we have to give everything to God. We have to repent. We need to walk out the new reality of the kingdom of God in our life. You know, Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom. Brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but instead use your freedom to serve others in love. Verse 16 then goes on to say, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You know, so often we're so full of good intentions, but not follow through. I know in my life I have many good intentions that I don't ultimately always follow through on. And it's one of my things that I got to work on. You know, verse 25 says, since we are living by the Spirit now, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Our old life essentially equals walking by our earthly desires. And our new life is living a life led by the Spirit of God. You know, Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew, a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in us. Putting on your new nature means walking by the Spirit, which means being renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like him. We become renewed sanctified as we learn to know our creator and become more like him. You know, I think sometimes we get a, a warped idea sometimes of, of the do's and don'ts uh, within Christianity. You know, a lot of people think that Christianity is about a list of do's and don'ts. That it's about moral principles and just living a good moral life. You know, and this is often why people, I think, think Christians can be judgmental. You know, religion tends to create rules, and we feel as though if we strictly adhere to those rules and regulations, that somehow that's what's going to please God. You know, but the problem is that when we make it about the rules and not about relationship with God, we're striving after an impossible standard in the flesh, like I talked about, that none of us can fulfill a perfect life. All of us have sinned in our life. All of us have been born into a fallen world. And so as we strive in our own effort to be a good moral person, we still fall short. You know, Colossians 2.23 says, these rules might seem wise because they require strong devotion, humility, and severe bodily discipline, 
but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. This is why somebody can recorrect their life, all of a sudden change their life, can go five, ten years without falling into a certain sin, and then they're right back into it. Sometimes, you know, we lose sight of God, and we begin to strive after our own, our own sinful desires. You know, we, we cannot live a godly life consistently on our own strength. We really can't live a godly life at all in our own strength. It requires God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the life that he has called us to. And that's a life of righteousness. Not our own self-righteousness, but a life of Christ's righteousness in us. You know, a verse that we often hear, but I think is, is misquoted often, is John fourteen fifteen, That if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You know, often this is cited to show that we prove our love to God by our obedience. But the problem is that's not what it says. It says, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It follows up by saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. He leads into all truth. And the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, Jesus said to his disciples. Soon the world will no longer see me, but they will see me. But you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father. You are in me and I am in you. Those, and then he says this in verse 21, that I think should always be paralleled here with, with the beginning of this verse, that if you love me, you will obey my commands. Verse 21 says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. You see the pattern there? First came love. Second came obedience. But the problem is so many of us are striving for obedience to obey somebody that we don't love. And we wonder why it's not working. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature, which means to be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. As we come to know and love God more, we will be renewed, mind, body, and soul. And it says here that we become more like him. We become sanctified as we grow closer to our God. We will fail if we make following commands and laws the point of the Christian life. For these things were a mere shadow of the real thing, which is Christ. And they nearly point to him. So don't make following the laws and obedience the point. They point to Jesus. And when we love God, we'll be graced with the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his commands as he directs us. We will struggle to continually um, live out a Christian walk if it's focused on doing for God 
rather than coming to know God through his son and coming to love Christ. John 3.19 said, God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. You see, Jesus' death on the cross set us free from the evil powers of this world. He's Lord over all things. He's been given all power and all authority. And we have the means to walk in freedom and to remain free as we walk by the Spirit. We continually speak about prayer and studying God's word, not because they're means in and of themselves to transform us, but because they help us to know who Jesus is and develop a deeper love and relationship with God. And through that relationship with God, through loving God and being led by the Holy Spirit, we will be obedient to God. But it's an act of God that we can walk in righteousness because our sinful selves are so far away from God. In fact, they're hostile to God and God's ways. And we can't do it in our own strength. It can only be done by God moving and operating in and through our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when it comes to some of the spiritual disciplines and the things like spiritual reading or, and worship and, and uh, prayer, the things that help us grow in relationship with God. I wanted to share a little story. It says this, a farmer is helpless to grow grain. All a farmer can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of the grain. He cultivates the ground. He plants the seed. He then waters the plants. And then the natural forces of the earth take over. And soon comes up grain. This is similar to the spiritual disciplines and the things that we develop in our life. They're a way of sowing into the spirit, but by themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. Likewise, our spiritual growth is only done when we get our nourishment and our strength from God. That we don't grow spiritually when we strive in our own ability. We grow spiritually when we depend on God, when we learn to trust God with our whole being, with our whole heart, when we grow a deeper love for Jesus. You know, this is Old Testament through New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's where it culminates, but it begins with love, and it's not something that we can do at our own strength. What we love the most, we will serve. Jesus said, I came into the world as the light of the world, but people loved darkness more. We love what we serve. And if you love Jesus, you will obey him. The sinful desires will begin to fall away over time. Things that weren't okay yesterday won't be okay today, but the things that used to bother us yesterday won't be this, have the same strength or the ability to make us fall tomorrow when we're strengthened and living in and by the Spirit. So what do you love most this morning? Is it Jesus and your relationship with God? Is that your greatest treasure? Is the reality of what God has done for you through the cross 
just drive you to love God more, to fall in love with Jesus more? Is he the treasure of your life? Because the Bible says where the treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, that's it, I think. But, um, you know, God is love. And I feel like there's so, just lately, in the last couple months, there's so many people I've met with that are struggling. And they feel guilt and shame because they're not living the life that they know they should be living. But the truth is, it's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about trusting in God, putting your faith in God. Without faith, we can't please God. It's not by living and striving to live the perfect life that pleases God. It's by surrendering our life to him and trusting in him to take away our sin and to empower us to, to be led by him and to walk out his righteousness in our life. And so... This morning, if God is speaking to your heart, I just want you to know that the altar's open. Caleb's going to play. If you need to just get right with God this morning or connect with God or, or you realize, you know what, there's a lot of things in my life that I love and God isn't even in my top ten. Take that to him this morning. Because you want to be able to overcome those temptations in your life, overcome those challenges, those trials. It's not by trying harder. by falling into love with Jesus more and the power of the Holy Spirit coming into your life and leading you out of sin and into life and light. So if anyone needs prayer, our prayer team will come up. We'll pray with you as well. And uh, I'll just close with a word of prayer. Father God, this morning, I just want to thank you, God, that you were love. God, I want to thank you, Lord, that you did not come into the world to condemn it when you came 2,000 years ago, but you came to save it. Father, I thank you that you sent your son into the world. And God, I thank you, Lord, that we can love you, but God, only because you first loved us. And God, I just lift up everyone, Lord, in this room who has trials and struggles, sin battles, God, I just speak life over them. God, I speak against guilt and condemnation because there is none in you. You came to set them free. You came so that they would know life and life abundantly. And they don't have to wait to experience abundant life. They, have, they can have it now. They can have freedom from sin and the powers of darkness because of what you did. So, Lord, I just... I pray, God, that we would turn to you, Lord, that there be a new hunger and thirst, God, for the kingdom of God because we're falling in love with you. God, I pray, Lord, that we would learn to love you more. Lord, soften our hearts. God, bring the reality of what you did on the cross. God, bring it home for our hearts here this morning. Lord, soften our hearts to you. God, help us to pursue you first in all areas of our life.
Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.